1: Do you hear that rattling? What is that? What is that, James? You hear that? No, what is it? it? It sounds a little like a xylophone's a-playing, Paul. A, a xylophone? Ooh. Watch out right behind you! It's a skeleton.
2: <laughs> ah!
1: <laughs> he's He's playing on... He's playing what looks like a xylophone with his bones, Paul. Uh, oh, James! I'm so happy we were on the same wavelength. <laughs> yeah, for this, definitely, it's definitely where we were. Uh, and he's he's playing a very interesting song. He's playing, um, what appears to be a, a, a white stripes tune. He's playing Ragged Bone on his on his on his ribcage. He's doing a little Skellingman dance.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's the
1: best I got. Ragged Ragged well. All right. <laughs> well, this has been another. Uh, gut Buster, welcome to the Third Men podcast. I am your co host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co host, James Kaminsky. And if last week you thought we were tired, boy, our arms are off. They they fell off. <laughs> We've been, we have, Jigsaw has visited us and removed our arms from our body, uh, explaining that we do not appreciate them enough. We are a Jack White history podcast uh, where we go over Jack White albums and music and. Uh, films, TV, all that stuff. And we're on fall break, so we're taking a little bit of a breather. We've, you know, we we spent a year on a weekly schedule, and uh, wow, was that rigorous. So we are on a little bit of a break here, so we're giving you a trilogy of best-of episodes, and this is the second in the series, James. And do you want to tell the people what this one is? This one is one of my favorites. It's the all-rag-and-bones special. You get to hear the best of... Our Rags and Bones, which, if you're unfamiliar with the podcast, is a segment of the show we like to talk about. The strange and the unusual or the tangential or sometimes just something we found while researching that we thought was kind of funny. And uh, we throw it in that little segment that we like to call Rag and Bone. And in this episode, you get to hear the best of all of these rags and bones, some good old unusual Jack White history. And we're really uh, kind of perversely excited about this one because the rags <laughs> rags and bones tend to be uh, real crazy. And there will be at least one burlesque performance in this. So everybody get excited, get happy, get those bones ragging. Paul, are you going to give it to us? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and so for the regular listeners of the program who have heard all this before, again, you know, maybe bear with us for this. And we'll be back, don't worry, with new stuff. Uh, after this trilogy of best of us has concluded, and we got something special lined up for next week. So without further ado, we're gonna we're gonna kick it to here and we will catch all of you next week. Yeah, so uh get your best rags on and hold on to your bones. <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that brings us to St. James Infirmary Blues, uh, which took is me down to St. James, James Infirmary. Infirmary. Another cover on this album, written by Jay Primrose. Bob Dylan also covered this song. Yeah, it um, seems to be a pretty standard blues song. Well, he, he sort of took the melody and renamed the song Blind Willie McTell, hmm. who actually himself recorded a rendition of this song. And that brings us to our first rag and
2: bone.
1: Rag and, Rag and Bone is the segment of the show where we talk about a weird, stupid fact we learned about Jack White during our research on the show. And Fantastic. This, I'm excited. Yeah, this week's Rag and Bone is in association with the song St. James Infirmary Blues, the song when Blind Willie McTell recorded it, titled it Dying Crapshooters Blues. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, probably had a lot of slicker drips when he was crap shooting. Yes, so that, that brings us to... <laughs> 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 he had one more cup of coffee and boy did he do. Yes. Uh so this this song, <laughs> this song is also known as uh, Gambler's Blues. It came out uh, like a cannon and he felt <laughs> like he was wasting his time. <laughs> uh so back to the song. Uh it broke and he told it to stop breaking down. <laughs> And then he fought his number two was there. so big it was a number three and it killed his baby. I'm sorry. They're t- oh, oh, God. We God. Could- <laughs> his butt baby. Well, purvey on this. All right. So on the Rack and Tour's tour, in 2006, they play a song called "The Christian Life." Okay. Which I found unusual because of the lyrics and because of. What it sounded like. It sounded a little old timey, little Baptisties, kind of that kind of vibe. Let's play a little bit of them covering that for Leeds.
2: The
1: Christian Life is a cover by A group of brothers called The Lovin' Brothers. Okay. And it's from an album called Satan is Real, released in 1959. Good. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, that sounds like a funny album title. What are these weird-al jokesters up to? Oh, they're not joking. (laughs) These these guys almost exclusively sang about how everyone should be terrified of Satan— Oh, <laughs> So I came across this thing, and then I kept digging. Oh no, the, Oh no. The Lovin' Brothers, an American country music duo composed of Ira Lani Laudermilk and Charlie <laughs> Elzer Laudermilk. <laughs> Born in 1924 and 1927, respectively. Right, the hit stars of the next Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> yeah, they changed their name to Lovin'. Uh, Ivor Lovin was notorious for his drinking, womanizing, and volcanic temper. This is all via oh, Wikipedia. It's all via Wikipedia. He was married four times. His third wife, Faye, shot him four times in the chest. Holy <sighs> shoot. And twice in the hand. I wanna, in the hand? I want to know what was happening, why she thought... As the, as the old saying goes uh, Five times in the chest, yeah. twice in the hand uh, After And and after he allegedly Tried to strangle her with a telephone cord Oh my god Although seriously injured, he survived uh, Faye is reported to have said If the bastard don't die, I'll shoot him again Oh my god <laughs> When performing and drinking Ira would sometimes become angry enough on stage To smash his mandolin when he was unable to tune it And when sober Glue it back together <laughs> his style oh, His man. his style was heavily influenced by Bill Monroe Which you can hear by, by listening to it And his brother Charlie Who had a tempestuous relationship with Ira Obviously yeah. This is the original Oasis Yeah uh, And considered him one of the top he, he was considered one of the top mandolin players in Nashville The cherry on the cake is the album cover It is the brothers Standing in front of a gigantic Satan cutout Amongst hot coals that all of which was set on fire and apparently they nearly burned themselves to death while shooting the cover photo. Great 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 <laughs> That's the Lovin brothers
2: I like the gray.
1: You know, I I was gnawing on this turkey over here, and uh, and I, I think I I think I've caught something in my mouth. It uh, it's kind of hard. I think it's a uh, it looks it looks like a bone. Cranberry sauce? No, no, no. It no. looks like a bone, James. Mashed it looks a little potato? like a. Will you hand me that rag over there? I'm gonna... Oh sure. I'll hand you to this. Rag and
2: bone. Rag and Rag-amone! bone. Rag and bone!
1: <laughs> Tom, if you couldn't tell, we are uh, horrible morning zoo disc jockeys. <laughs> you need horn sounds. <laughs> this rag and bone is a is a semi two parter. It's a it's a wishbone, if you will. A Ooh, rag, rag and wishbone. Bone. We'll snap this rag and bone off into two and make a delightful wish.
3: I got an ambition to do some wishing. Keep your pants on, Flanders. I'm wishing as fast as I can.
1: The first half of this wishbone is a little less obscure you may have heard of this particular bone so to speak (laughs) jack white in nashville decided to crash his block's annual neighborhood potluck Mm -hmm. it made the rounds it it was definitely out there i remember it it was it was only a couple years ago and by a couple i mean last year around october time the story came from an instagram photo by one jedediah jenkins (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay, cool. That's
1: a cool who, name. Who posted an Instagram, uh, which was sent to him by his mother. <laughs> Jedediah was quoted as saying... My mom helps put—oh, um, should I put on an accent for Jedediah or would that be <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, d- most—James, if you don't do that, I'm going to be so angry. <laughs> Je- Jedediah was quoted as saying, My mom helps me put on a neighborhood potluck in front of my childhood home. Our little dead-end street is populated primarily with older and quiet people. Their houses are modest and suburban. My neighborhood has been doing this potluck for over a decade. At the bottom of our street, there's a large gated historic home shrouded in trees. Probably blues on two trees. (laughs) (laughs) We've never really (laughs) spotted that neighbor, but we have, from time to time, heard guitar coming from the garage. This year, without warning, the occupant decided to come mingle with us neighbors. Of course, they had no idea who he was. Jack White, nice to meet you. Gee golly willikers. He apologized for traveling so much and missed out over the years. So, that is Jack hey, White.
2: Olivia! Olivia, I smell
1: grits! I smell grits at the neighbors! I'm gonna... Olivia! So I Olivia, I smell Jack... grits! So I was telling Jack about my new album and... And, and now Olivia... Why don't you come on over My neighbor Jedediah? <laughs> he's having a barbecue
0: Hey Jackie Megan It's Pokemon Macaroni and Cheese
1: I've watching him from afar For quite a while now <laughs> Now I'm gonna go over to his house now Peek around in his cooking I, utensils My kooky guitar pluckings Have not had any soothing effect On Mr. <laughs> Jedediah Jenkins So as of yet I haven't met him <laughs> That's that's the first part of this record, though. Tom, Tom, feel free to hang up at any point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now I'm enjoying the accents. Okay, good.
1: Tom, do you remember when this story was going around? I do. I remember feeling that it was viral media to a, a disgusting degree. <laughs> it was during, like, Guacamole Gate and all that stuff. Too.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, those were pretty close to each other. Yeah, I remember that story came out, though. I thought it was kind of cool. It seemed like if it wasn't for social media, this happened if even a few years ago, we probably wouldn't even know about it. So it just yeah. seemed like it was this kind of neat little thing of him trying to get acquainted with his neighbors and stuff It seemed kind of nice, actually.
2: Yeah. Especially after all the
0: backlash that you hear about how, you know, he gets from, like, the Radio City show and how, you know, moody he can be about performing or whatever. You I know, mean, you never know the whole side of the story, how his point of view is on that, that kind of stuff. So seeing him make the effort to be friendly is a nice change from what you might hear on other stories about him sometimes.
1: Yeah. Definitely shows his his I want to say amicable nature. Yeah, right. yeah. He was really bearing his grit taste inside.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he also maybe just wanted free food.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't mind people gritting in his face. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: so to break off this other half, um, would, would, would either of you care to, to break this wishbone in half with me?
3: Oh, will hear you to make a wish.
1: Nah. It's fun. No, it isn't. Oh, James, don't stop now. Okay. <laughs> the other half is I found out uh, which... I realize this is, you know, it's a little more of a tangent because it's a little more Christmassy. But, you know, it's getting it's getting to be that time. This also has a a feast. Karen Elson hosted a holiday entertaining special from her Nashville home where she cooked a pre-Christmas English dinner.
3: Wow. It's good. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. You guys go and you go do a tour in Finland. You eat Finnish food, okay?
1: She takes Vogue through a tour of her home where she cooks Yorkshire pudding, sausage stuffing, herb-roasted parsnips and carrots, and a Moroccan spiced turkey.
0: Now this, you guys, will be
3: the last comfort food that you're going to get until you get back from tour. I know, Arthur. I mean, we really don't have time to eat right now because we have to get the gear packed
1: up comfort food jackie all prepared with the help of her friend chef matthew mosshart don't know if there's any relation oh there's gotta be karen isn't jack's brother a pastry chef his brother eddie is a pastry chef okay oh wow (laughs) and i learned that from an mtv brazil interview from 2012 yeah anyway sorry go on so Karen had said, you don't overdo it with the food. It's about making things that are simple and delicious. Think about the menu. And if you're not a skilled chef, which I am not, follow a recipe. You can't go wrong if you don't cut the fine print. Damn right. She says she's a fan of creating the vibe with flowers, candles, and music. I like making guests feel like it's not formal and they can relax in my home.
0: She says there's not a lot of food and she doesn't want attention in the house. That's not how Thanksgiving works. You do it right, you have so much food that you throw out half of it and <laughs> and everyone's uncomfortable the whole time. It's true. Yeah.
1: Was this when they were together, James? This was not. This was okay. December of twenty fifteen. Yeah, she was she was decked out in nineteen twenties esque velvet and had David Bowie and Little Drummer Boy on her playlist. They also include recipes for her mini Yorkshire pudding and blood arm orange arma arm Armagnac? Ar- 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 Armagnac, yeah, it's uh, it's Armagnac. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's C- Karen Elson's Christmas feast. <laughs> <She's> having... <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! You're that, welcome. That's what I could dig up as a as a as a ragged wishbone.
2: Here's
1: here's another great pick for you for TV appearance of Jack White. American Pickers. Oh! Yeah. Na, 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 na. Jack White. Jack White appeared on American Pickers Season 4, Episode 7, The Elephant in the Room. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. It aired on January 9th, 2012. So basically, if you don't know the program, it's two guys, Frank and Mike, who are going around the US looking for rusty gold picking items to sell at their antique store from derelict garages and old attics looking for rusty gold it's a it's an entertaining show it's got a formula it's fine it's on the history channel it's pretty good as they're explaining who Jack White is mike is explaining Jack White is a modern day rock legend, which is true. I would agree to that. I'm sure he's trying to get the point across that Jack is a big guy to people who do not know. He also says, I'm a huge White Stripes fan. Ever since I heard the song and Bone,
2: jacket, we'll give it home.
1: That was my band.
2: <laughs> oh my god we're
1: having a fire sale
2: oh the burning oh man this isn't a fever Sing, Greg. can't even see where the knob is i
1: i get it i totally get it rag and bone is about like collecting <laughs> odds and ends and that's yes. what the show is about but holy crap is it such a weird song for him to go, that's my song. I mean clearly. That's my jam. Yeah, clearly he's a fan. I mean if he knew Brag and Bone, that's nuts. Well yeah, I was expecting it to be like kind of staged, like given to him. And it you know what, it may have been because it's so clearly like about what he's doing. True, but at the true. same time it's like you know what, you're mentioning this weird, bizarre song that, <laughs> that most magazines, when the album came out, wrote off as this piece of crap garbage song. Oh, <laughs> uh, we loved. I love that song. I, yes. Uh, and yeah. it's uh, for those of you who don't know, off of Icky Thump, it, it is one of the gems of Icky Thump. It, it really is, it's something else. And it's something special that me and Paul both really love, if not only for the banter Jack and Meg have in it. Yes, uh, totally. I I played this with the third man house band. (laughs) It's really fun to play with a group of people. So, James, you win the award for most tailored rag and bone (laughs) segment ever. Oh well, you won't see me in rags and bones. Yeah. So anyway, James, this is our... Do you know what? This is a very special Rag and Bone. Tonight, on a very special Rag and Bone. Kung We do our very first sequel rag and bone hey now to a rag and bone that you started rag and bone Two. rag harder
2: how could the same thing happen to the same guy so many times
1: (laughs) this is in reference i consider it a part two to our television episode wherein you talked about the oldest living burlesque dancer tempest storm (laughs) well that wasn't in the rag and bone mind you ah i did mention her It, it was but the Rag and Bone was about the guy liking Rag and Bone as his favorite. Alright, well in the television episode, you mentioned Tempest Storm, the oldest living burlesque dancer. Of course, how could I forget that lovely dancer? Well, I found that in 2012, and I did not know this, Jack White released a single by Tempest Storm on Third Man. Whoa. Which was an <laughs> which was an interview with Tempest conducted by Jack. And the interview covers a a litany of things, but the B side is called Tempest's Never Before Revealed Advice for Young Women. (laughs) And I find that amazing. Yeah, no, that's pretty great. (laughs) And even more amazing is it features, for some reason, bass by Dominic Davis and drums by Jack White. (laughs) Very good. Oh, Tempest. And, and this cover to this thing is amazing. It's the green series, so it's just, it's the green behind her, and she's just sort of looking up at... She's, like, channeling her inner Wanda Jackson, just sort of staring into nothing in particular. So I guess that was... They were doing a mock photo shoot for that album. Oh! The episode. That must have been what that is! Yeah, because they were shooting her. Although it was a blue background there, they must have either changed the hue in Photoshop... Or had a second photo shoot that was not that. You know, that may have been staged for the cameras. Or perhaps Tempest Storm used the magical powers she developed in her training as a witch's apprentice, twisting the witch's titty earlier that year. Ragabo <laughs> Ragambo! So this week's rag and bone is oh it's a hole I fell into which I am going to do an abridged version of. But when researching okay. when researching the released versions of Get Behind Me Satan, I found that this album was actually released commercially available on cassette tape. What in Malaysia and Indonesia by V two in two thousand and five. <laughs> What? (laughs) Somebody was like, hey, listen, (laughs) that iPod's really nice or whatever, (laughs) but I'm trying to bust this cassette tape in your ear. No, no, I I get it. The the Indonesian trucker market (laughs) is very large. Not to offend any Indonesian or Malaysian uh, listeners that we may or may not or likely not have. Uh, we are. This is not a commentary on Malaysia, or Indonesia. This is a commentary on. They were putting cassettes out in 2005. So let's say a, a trucker walks into a gas station in Indonesia and has he's cycling through his local 7 elevens cassette tape rack, oh, and yeah. you know he's got to find good music, Paul. And you know yes. he's cycling yeah. through the Kenny Chesney's. Oh, you, you said Kenny Chesney's. I was literally about to say Kenny Loggins. <laughs> we were both here on the Kenny. Right on the. We're on the Kenny mind frame here. You're cycling through that. You're cycling through your. Alanis Morissette's, uh, you know, isn't it ironic that you might find a newly released... Yeah, isn't it mo- ironic you <laughs> might find Jack White's weird marimba in your <laughs> Malaysian casting. Uh, When you Google cassette tapes, the first thing that comes up, it says until 2005 cassettes remained the dominant medium for purchasing and listening to music in some developing countries. Which, wow. until the developing countries part, I was like factually
2: inaccurate
1: (laughs) patently untrue Google you are wrong but okay developing countries I get it wait 2005 does that mean Jack White was on the tail end of that too he was just like I did it I made the last good cassette tape everybody (laughs) stop what you're doing we no longer need to make them. Wait, wait. We can squeeze in the Kelly Clarkson. She seems very. Kelly Clarkson. Popular. Since you've been gone, we we've added Kelly Clarkson. Not to crap all over antiquated technology as James and I go out and buy our uh, record albums. <laughs> um. But I know they're kind of making like they're Selma Urban Outfitters now. and I'm Yeah, let's not get into these arguments, Paul. People get way too, not only hostile, but definitely... All right, well, okay. People like what they like. No tea, no shade, no pink lemonade. We don't cast judgment on cassettes, obviously, but we found it kind of odd. Just because I don't even, like even at record stores, I don't really see those. Anyway, so looking into this, in 2001, cassettes accounted for only 4% of all music sold. Which still seems crazy high to me. But, it's a okay. little high, yeah. It's 2001, fine. Sales of pre recorded music cassettes in the US dropped from 442 million in 1990 to 274,000 by 2007. Oh, that's a marked difference, yeah, yeah. What I find more shocking is that 274 thousand people said yes to cassette tapes in 2007. <laughs> Seems a little crazy. Another record low was registered in 2009 with only 34 thousand cassettes sold. Again, I save you. That's a little. That's a little high. That's a little high. Like iPhones were out, right? Or at least we're about to come out. All right. Let's let's put it in this term though, Paul. That's less than some stadium capacities.
2: Oh, fuck.
1: <laughs> Whatever. Uh, the last new car with an available cassette player was a 2010 Lexus SC 430. Again, seems kind of late in the game. The cherry on the cake for this dragon bone. The form has its devotees. Eminem has made his favor known. Paul, well, why don't you explain what a rag and bone is? All right, well, all right. I'll explain what a rag and bone is. I'm sorry. I've just fallen down a Ricky Skaggs hole over here. Paul's <laughs> in a Skag hole. I'm in a Skag hole. <laughs> a ragged bone is the crazy crap we found whilst researching a given episode. And uh, it's the stuff that doesn't quite fit anywhere. And so we present it to you, the listener, in a segment we call Rag and Bone. That's right. Let me tell you oh about boy. today's... <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, today's Rag and Bone, we might actually be able to thank this movie for Jack's move to Nashville. Whoa, no Uh, way, really? Yeah, this was, in fact, one of the first times he had ever gone to Nashville to record music. In an interview for the movie, Jack had said, I wanted to live down south. I always had this feeling, even when I was younger, watching Loretta Lynn in Coal Miner's Daughter. It just felt like home. A couple years ago, I went around to the South preparing for this role, but also thinking, where should I be living? Savannah, Georgia? Muscle Shoals, Alabama? Oxford, Mississippi? Nothing seemed right until Nashville. That's really awesome. That's, and wow. Yeah, really cool. You know, I, I feel like we wouldn't have gotten so much of Jack White's current personality if he didn't take this movie role i feel like inevitably he would have gotten to a place similar to this but we wouldn't have gotten you know your loretta lynn combination we wouldn't have gotten the wanda jackson collaboration we wouldn't have gotten willie nelson live at third man Records. like it's as well as third man records itself being positioned in nashville it just it all kind of stems from this movie i mean yeah it's a it is it's an extension of where it was building to but it's you know like it's possible at the very least possible that without this movie he it wouldn't have really cemented his relationship with the south the way that wound up happening and and wound up happening very quickly after this because after this you know his stardom continues to rise in fact it gets it gets bigger and then detroit becomes uninhabitable for mr gillis after mm-hmm. that point and so where does he turn he turns to his comfort food he turns to nashville he turns to tennessee um so yeah i mean it's very very plausible but without without this nashville move that this movie possibly created we wouldn't have had all of the clothing and trinkets that third man records gives us we wouldn't have had all of those Rags and bones, pretty little rags and bones.
2: Mm. I love you, pretty. You pretty, little, pretty skags little rags and bones. And bones. No, yeah, oh. Look at all this. You don't
1: want it. Yeah. Nothing like physical media in the morning, huh? Yeah. Well, physical media is, you know, what one would call it—the media of the past, Paul. And, you know, people would would make this media. Uh, you you might as well just be, you know, banging bones on on drums, oh God. Paul. You might just be taking these bones. You're just so living in the past with this physical media. You're just a caveman. You've got bones.
2: <laughs> James, well, it's a, a, rag, and a bone. rag and Bone.
1: Rag and Bone. Oh James, a Rag and Bone is the segment of the show where we talk about the real strange crap, and and honestly, I don't know what, else, what other strange, weird stuff there is left to talk about here because it's all been pretty strange. Uh, but whenever we find little weird segments like this, we put it into its own little corner of the uh, podcast, and we call it Rag and, bone. Rag and Bone. So this week's Rag and Bone is this is all via the Guardian Stephen Coogan, who stars in Coffee and Cigarettes. Uh, alongside Alfred Molina in one of the funnier bits. Oh, yeah. One of the funniest bits in the movie, I would say. Yeah, he's good. And Jack White have never actually met because these, these films were so sporadically shot. The Guardian had offered them a chance to correspond online, Paul. What does that mean? I mean, the internet itself offers us a chance right. to correspond online, but okay. Right. The Guardian, I, I guess what's the word catered this correspondence for both of them together in letter format let me read you jack white's letter to steve coogan okay before i begin my questioning of you mr coogan i would first very much like to say that i am not a fan of you but i am a fan of your work And that if I had children, which may or may not be legally possible, I would very much like them to grow up with a determination not unlike what you display in your characters, but not that of you personally, of which I cannot attest to knowing, having never actually met a comedian, in quotes. Wow. For the record, the following questions cannot and will not be an admission of guilt or be used in a court of law to prove anything about the relationship or ships between Mr. Stephen Coogan and myself, one of which is not actually me. Signed Jack White the <laughs> third. What a weird thing that's happening. That that is that is yeah. but the first section of this correspondence because it goes they they have a letter from Jack, a letter from Stephen, a letter from Jack, a letter from Stephen. Okay. Here's some highlights. Jack White, some questions to Stephen Coogan. Did you know that you are spelling your name correctly with a PH instead of a V, which is not unlike St. Stephen, who was stoned to death? And as a follow-up, if you did know this, why haven't you told anyone? (laughs) (laughs) Also, another question Jack proposes, I wish you would say that you met me whilst filming Coffee and Cigarettes, a film we both held top billing in, but you can't. Does this ever come up in your party conversations? And also, were you happy with yours and or Meg White's performance in the film? (laughs) (laughs) Stephen actually answers, he he answers all of his questions. I'll read a couple of his answers. There are way more questions than that. But Stephen answers, the answer is yes, it does come up in dinner party conversations. Sometimes I tell the truth and I haven't met you, but have your CD in my car. But if they are particularly obsessive fans of yours, I lie and say that we are best mates. And I say that you and Meg are great <laughs> admirers of my work, and we frequently talk about how we are on the same wavelength. I loved Meg's disinterest and your commitment to f- and focus in explaining the Tesla machine. <laughs> he, he continues oh, answering man. other questions. I mentioned being cool. Your performance in coffee and cigarettes along with Meg's didn't seek to be cool and paradoxically ends up with being super cool. Is this how you approach your music? His second question is in two parts. Is Meg White really your sister, or is that just kind of a weird thing to make you seem enigmatic? He says he, he says he once pretended to be married to his dad, but it backfired. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's very good. Jack says... I'm sure Meg would love to hang out with you and'll we'll probably drink you under the table, coffee that is, and coffee the drink, not coffee the table and he says, uh, you guys can sit around and she can tell you how much more better she is than me that's so like her too. Just a couple of weird guys writing letters to each other <laughs> through a English <laughs> yeah. newspaper, well, you know just an average your everyday Sunday. this is so long, and i'm I'm just cherry picking some things here. Swank, take a memo. <laughs> <laughs> dear steve coogan i wish to correspond to you via the guardian is that with a ph or with a v actually it's funny you ask that swank his full name is spelled with a ph but he abbreviates it to steve with a v i suppose you couldn't abbreviate steve with a ph that would be steph oh god so here's swank here's and that, that memo telling hugs and kisses that's with the x and the o Put a, you know what? Put a couple of extra in there. Just yeah, those are from me. And actually, can you use the stationery from the casino from that weekend we took in the in the Berkshires last fall? That was lovely. The the seasons were changing. The colors swag. They were glorious. Swank says okay. Steven gets the last word in. He says, Finally, your failure to use lowercase lettering in the last email suggests you are shouting. In which case, <laughs> coffee and <laughs> cigarettes with you would be a bit weird. Wow. Besides which, I was only using you as a route to Meg and or Holly. Uh Holly of Holly Golightly Lightly fame, which he asks about earlier in the letter. Yeah. He then says, A firm handshake from across the pond. Steven Wow. So all of that is uh, lovely James. I find that amazing. Yeah, so that that's that's today's dragon bubble. Dragon bone. Do you know what relics are, Paul? I mean, relics could be any number of things, James. Well, yeah, they they could be fragments of possessions. Possibly owned by the saint. Possibly, it could be skeletal remains. It could be skeletal remains. I really thought this was going to be a cream soda setup, but I—I I guess not. Um, the it, yeah, those remains could be wearing some kind of garb. Perhaps they could be wearing some. some... They could be wearing. It could be wearing a ragamuffin. Is that next? I thought it was cream soda. No, 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 no. This is the. The part one of two-part Rag & Bone segments Whoa. in our show, Paul. Whoa. Paul, would you like to explain Rag & Bone for our fine audience out there? Rag & Bone is the segment of the show where we talk about the weird and strange and unusual in Jack White's world. And we give it to you here in this segment we call Rag & Bone on, an, on a show where we happen to be talking about an album that features the song Rag & Bone that now I can't listen to because it's been ruined for me forever by this show we are aware it's confusing and there are going to be two segments of ragged bone this week i'm ready for it and as well as this as well as the song all right be prepared for more what do we got james hit me a local scottish superstition uses the cross of saint andrew as a hex sign on the fireplaces in northern england and scotland to prevent witches from flying down the chimney and entering the house to do mischief (laughs) by placing the saint andrew's cross on one of the fireplace posts or lintels witches are prevented from entering through this opening in this case it is similar to a witch ball wow although the cross will actively prevent witches from entering the witch ball will passively delay or entice the witch perhaps entrap it that thank you wikipedia for that so paul this 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 ragged bone uh it, it happens to be just a little little witch deterrent there's yeah you know, keeps, keeps yeah. the witches away saint andrew's this battle is is in the air on broomsticks yeah, you know those poor people in the uh, wilderness dealing with the Bell Witch, or or possibly their horrible mouse infestation, uh, would would really have benefited from one of these things on the on the chimney, James. I think. Are they coming in through no. the chimney? Are they like Santa Clausing in? Or they are? How are the witches getting in? Is what I'm wondering. Well, they put them on the fireplace posts, so yes, they are coming in definitely through the chimney. There's a big coming witch in problem in this part of town. S- s- Santa Claus style. So what was the the fear in, I'm guessing, Dickensian (laughs) England of just intruders scaling your chimney? How often did that happen? There seems to be a lot of lore connected to this, both good and bad, you know? They're either bringing you treats or to hex your child. (laughs) I just like the idea of there being like a Dark Ages version of like pest control coming in and like they're they're spraying for roaches they're putting down that little paste uh they're coming in they're looking under cabinets for for little mouse holes yeah well i see your yeah i see your problem right there yeah you got uh yeah you you didn't hang any shit on your fireplace Yep, yeah, i don't see any on your fireplace now if you're gonna want to get rid of that, oh, wait a minute! Oh God, that 1890s chalupa is not agreeing with me. I assume it's made from some sort of liver, possibly a pie. Uh, what you're gonna want to do, okay, is you're gonna want to go ahead and take uh, take this little here symbol there, and then that's gonna when them witches come flying up, they're gonna come, they're gonna come and they're gonna try and squeeze down that chimney, and what they're what they're gonna do is they're gonna be blocked. By it, alright? They're not going to be able to get in into this uh, chimney. But, but, if you would like some gifts, or perhaps a pleasant candy cane, you could <laughs> hang your sock there, and a uh, an obese man such as myself will happily climb down your chimney and give your children nasty candy inside of their footwear. Uh, but what you're going to want to do definitely is get some <laughs> on that fireplace pretty quickly. Because you know what they say, if you see one witch, there's at least a hundred more. Yeah, there's a hundred more where you can't see them, and I'm gonna go ahead and return to the future where I I think I am from in this fiction, and I hope you don't that die that of he, the plague. Does that mean he came back from the future, got a little hungry before seeing this house, yeah, and had eight, an 1890 chalupa, chalupa, in which which yeah. I assume he invented because he knew of the chalupa. He brought this. Well, what else was he gonna to do? Time. Yeah. He he had Gray's chalupa almanac. <laughs> Paul, and that's that's one of this week's Ragamona.
3: I saw some stuff in your yard. Are you oh. gonna give it to us?
1: Oh Meg, don't be rude. That was songs. Paul, y- you were y- you sounded like you may have done a real bonehead move there in the car earlier. Real bonehead move. James, mo- James this, is a, this is a rag and bone. This is our <laughs> so second rag and, rag and bone. Rag and bone. James, what's our second rag and bone? Our second rag and bone was intended to be only in part two and the other one is in part one. So that's why there's two. But a Democratic congresswoman, Congresswoman Donna Edwards, quoted this song as a lesson during a debate over whether to shut down the U.S. federal government. Wow. On the floor, she she said uh, she dedicated her speech to America's young people and our seniors and our service members and federal workers who stand to be affected by this government shutdown. If you're heading to the grave, you don't blame the hearse, Edwards told Congress. That's awesome. I am really happy to hear that. She then continued, You seem to forget just how this song started. You just can't (laughs) take the effect and make it the cause, she preached. The shutdown was later averted with less than two hours to spare when feuding Democrats, who ran the Senate, and Republicans... Who are in charge of the House of Representatives finally agreed to a budget for this year. So wow. Jack White has his place in the friggin' US government. Holy crap. Um, that, that's remarkable. I did not know that. I'm very happy to hear that. Especially for a non for a non single album cut. It's such a weird thing, but that's that's great. We salute you, Donna Edwards. Thank you. And that's yes. that's the conclusion of this week's Rag and the Bones. Oh, the conclusion of Rag and Bones. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it would lead them to tour in England a lot, though, which proved to be pretty good for them, which, uh, y- mm. you know, it brings me to, uh, to, to, uh, to something, uh, an English term, Paul, uh, it's, it's a, it's a man who goes around collecting, oh. collecting things.
2: Oh. Yeah. oh! hello there.
1: Uh, you mean a chimney no, sweep? No, not a chimney sweep, a uh, little... Oh, do you mean a Krampus? No, I didn't... A Krampus, like a demon who steals children. How about a bobsled uh, no, man? No, no, not a bobsled man, Paul. Is this is? Uh, it's it's more like someone who collects like skeletal <laughs> remains and clothing. Some people they know they can't believe that Jamaica has a bobsled no, team. Some people can't believe that, but I, you know what I can believe, Paul, is that this is, is a dragon bone. Dragon bone.
2: Dragon um, bone. Dragon bone
1: in the studio while they were recording their second album the leader of mungo jerry popped his head into the studio excitedly proclaiming now that's real rock and roll man so <laughs> so the guy who sang in the summertime Wait, who's, what's mungo jerry yeah oh okay all right uh, wow I, I wonder if he was wow this man did not age well <laughs> With a name like Mungo Jerry? The sands of time were not. The sands of time were not kind to Mungo. He he lived through a couple too many summer times. His sideburns look like some sort of rainforest. Uh, I feel like the cast, the entire cast of Fern Gully, could exist in one of his sideburns. He looks like he's wearing uh, what Lego considers to be hair like a snap-on Lego hair. (laughs) Oh my god, he has a brand of vape juice. He has a brand of vape juice and it's called Mungo Cherry Vape Juice. (laughs) And you can buy it and there's a commercial. There's a commercial for Mungo Cherry Vape Juice. Oh my god. He's so happy to sell me this vape juice. Oh, Mungo. This is the Mungo Cherry Vape Juice.
0: Which they say you inhale it and you get the cherry
1: flavor. But exhaled, it's mango. Mungo Jerry. He's hashtagging himself, but he only hashtagged the Mungo part. (laughs) Is it good? He's plugging it on his tour. (laughs) It was debuted at the Vape Expo 2016. Wow. There's a Vape Expo out there, James. I believe it. Mungo Cherry, holy shit. So Mungo Cherry, the um, the go fan and vape juice mogul, just he's popping his head in. He's given his nod of approval. I mean, where goes the Mungo? So goes the nation, as I've always said. <laughs> and uh, that that's this week's a Rag <laughs> ragamuffin. Rag come on, come on, come on, come on Paul, you know what's you know what's. Buzz helped put on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell me, James. You know, he he helped raise an American flag. And, and because, because it's up there on the moon, it's being hit by radiation, Paul. It's being hit by radiation, and it's being torn to shreds. It's being torn and being turned into some kind of mottled fabric, Paul. It's being turned into some kind of rag, almost. You're, uh... <laughs> You're really taking me on a journey with this one. <laughs> it's a ragamuffin. It's a ragamuffin.
2: Ragamuffin. Ragamuffin.
1: So this weird thing that I found when, I, when researching Jack White and Buzz Aldrin and the Moon, I came across some stuff, Paul. I came across some things. Hit me. Jack White is not only a famous musician, Paul. Jack White hmm. is also the name of a famous conspiracy theorist, whom among many things, disputes the moon landing. Whoa! Wow! Uh, He's not the big-haired alien guy, is he?
3: No, no, he's not. Is such a thing even possible? Yes, it is.
1: Okay. According to RationalWiki.com, Jack White, he was born in 1927 and died in 2012, when this interview was actually done with Buzz Aldrin. Uh, and he was apparently a self-proclaimed expert in photographic analysis with a conspiratorial bent. Who had a nice long run. Yes, based on his analysis of some photographs, he came to believe in some JFK assassination conspiracies, and actually testified to that effect in front of the House Select Committee on Assassinations in the 1970s. Oh, uh, uh, was he on the on the one from the JFK movie, James? I'm going to have to ask you to take this podcast back and to the left. Back. And, and to the, the left.
2: Back and to the left.
1: Uh, and later on, he became one of the less famous proponents of the moon landing conspiracy theories. To quote, again, uh, still quoting this rationalwiki.com the people who knew shit about the Apollo program were not impressed by his arguments either. So he's a crackpot, is yes. what we're saying here. No, yeah. he's, yeah. The, the, his arguments are well documented, and almost all of them have been rebuffed, And rebuked, and spat upon. That is one magic, loop. Um, I'm sure that if at 90, if you passed him his own <laughs> arguments, he would rebuff and rebuke them himself or something. He was making these theories up until the like late 2000s, Paul. Like before his death, he was still saying that this stuff is wrong. It looks like he had like uh, Photoshop elements that he found, and he was like upping the contrast on photos and being like, "Look, see, cameras." <laughs> I want, I want our inevitable, like, inevitably there's a listener out there who's into this guy or into this stuff, and I want that listener to please write us and, and please share your side of the story. Yes. Uh, we do not, uh, mean to disparage or to, uh, make you feel bad. However, we think this man is a crackpot. Some of his theories, in quotes, uh, included but not limited to, why does the spacesuit have a fly? Like, on a pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> photo removed from Apollo Image Gallery after revealed sun was just a giant light bulb. I mean, what is it really other than a giant light bulb? Yeah. So. Like I said, a lot of a lot of bullshit and a lot of wax and James, you know, every year, every New Year's that comes around, you know, I feel like I need to update my, my uh, wardrobe. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, James, sometimes I just feel like I'm walking around and I'm wearing nothing but rags. Well, Paul, I think I see what you're getting at, and, you know, your body needs something to keep those bones of yours oh, warm. Well, it's got me cold down to my bones. Those it's th- this week's Rag and Rag and Bone! Rag and
2: Bone! Rag and Bone!
1: Uh, Rag and Bone is the portion of the show where we talk about the strange and unusual stuff we found in our research of Jack White and his music. I I don't even know if you could possibly guess what I've picked for 2016's Ultimate Rag and Bone. And I need you to think real hard about this, Jane. All right, all right, all right. Think, damn it, think. Mm. Think, Jack White, harder, releases, and... Another vault package. Okay, no, that is not the rag and bone for this week. James, I will give you one more guess, and I am feeling very much like a virgin right now. (laughs) Jack Jack White is Madonna. Jack White is Madonna. Here it is. Did you know, James, on January 16th of 2016, Jack White was heckled by Madonna while she was performing during her Rebel Heart Tour in Louisville, Kentucky? Why? Why would Madonna... (laughs) She heckled Jack White (laughs) while she was on stage. (laughs) While she was on stage and he was in the crowd. Wow. So this is crazy. I never knew this. Um, Madonna and Jack White are enemies, bitter enemies, rivals (laughs) beyond compare. They Uh, both really, really want to hold the moniker of what what is her moniker? uh, The the, the, uh, the, Queen of Soul. The Queen of Soul. She's the the King of of Rockabilly. She's the King of Rock and Roll. Yeah. The Mother of Dragons. Jack White and Madonna are co-owners of Title. Oh! Along with the other people that own it. Oh, with, with Jay-Z. Z and yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. So, Neil uh, Young, I think you know. Yeah, so apparently, and I found this via TMZ, by the way. Oh, Madonna was accused of being wasted drunk during this performance. Uh, her Rebel Heart Tour in Louisville, Kentucky. Once this show ended, apparently she was doing her stand-up comedy routine all night and getting really weird and sloppy on stage and making jokes about how much she drank. And then when people started pointing it out after the fact, she got super defensive. Oh, man. Uh, And so she took to the internet, she took to Twitter and started railing against it like, yeah, I was just having fun out there and everyone is sexist for thinking I was drunk. Uh, Which may or may not be true. I have no idea. I had no idea that even the scuttlebutt that she was drunk until we did this podcast. Maybe she was just celebrating a holiday. Holiday. Is that her? Yeah. Okay. Um, Via TMZ, not one to stay on the defensive for long, Madonna pivoted attention during her Nashville show on Monday to call out Jack White, who was sitting in the audience, for looking too, quote, laid back while she was performing. (laughs) I mean, if anybody is to get yelled at for that, it's Jack White. (laughs) So apparently she said, Don't be laid back just because you're famous. I'm famous too, you know. Oh, boy. Thanks, TMZ. (laughs) And then she said...
2: I get excited when I see people I like. But maybe you don't like me. Yeah. Thank you.
1: After which, Jack White graciously smiled and blew a kiss to the stage. A, a fan captured the exchange on video, and it's available online for you to look yes, at right please. now. <laughs> was it a hypocritical kiss? Oh, yes, very hypocritical Kia. So he, he's dressed very uh, pleasantly. He's in a suit. He looks very sharp. It's very nice. And so, this is the consequence of sound. Last night, Madonna's Rebel Heart tour descended on Nashville, and none other than the city's crown prince, Jack White, was in attendance. The third man rocker has been something of a recluse since wrapping up his own Lazaretto tour last year. And did his best to blend in with last night's crowd Madonna made her way to the end of the stage catwalk And was asking for crowd participation When she suddenly honed in on White Who was standing in the crowd By then White was being shown on the video screens He blew Madonna a kiss Thank you, she said Some kind of acknowledgement Whoa, (laughs)
2: Whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa.
1: <laughs> so the media blew this up, I guess, into some weird feud between Madonna and Jack White, which is total BS because, you know, they're buddies. I think Madonna just maybe either was too hyped up by the crowd or maybe had a couple. You know, it's fine. You can have a couple. We had a couple before this podcast. Who's judging? Unless this is right about... This is kind of clunky But we're just gonna go ahead and do a little bit of A little dig in here Alright, let's dig a little bit And we're gonna to have to cover Cover that dig when the helicopter touches down With John Hammond in it Because he's kicking up all kinds of dust And you know if he does that He's just gonna cover up our finds, James Yeah, and he's gonna waltz right into our house Pop open a bottle of our champagne James, do you know what we were trying to cover? Some kind of theme park? No, we're trying to cover the bones we found underground Oh, oh, right. <laughs> uh, gotta cover him with some kind of tarp or some kind of r- rag. This is Rag and Bone, James. Rag and Bone! Rag and Bone!
2: Rag and Bone! Meg! Look. James, would you
1: like to tell the people what Rag and Bone
2: is? <laughs> it's Rag and Bone! It's a rag and bone.
1: Yeah, and so this this week's rag and bone is... Remember I was telling you about that shack, James, a moment ago? The love shack, yes. It's a little, old place where he could get together. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this shack <laughs> he lived in. I believe he called it his the mausoleum, and he claimed to have modeled it after the Munsters, and he said that... <laughs> He at at some point when he's describing this thing he points to a photo that he has on the wall of Herman Munster and um who's the who's the mother from the Munsters
2: um,
1: Mrs Munster Mrs Munster <laughs> Mama Lily, Munster Lily Munster Lily right um, of course Wikipedia has a lovely title for this article The Munsters an American sitcom depicting the home life of a family of benign monsters <laughs> Uh, he, he claimed that Herman and Lily Munster were his parents and that he was building his mausoleum based on their guidance. And,
3: uh, let's see. Oh. This is what gave me the inspiration for this place. That's my, my father and my mother. Uh, very nice, very nice couple. I think Dex
1: was pretty drunk during this interview, but he he looked like he hadn't showered in maybe eight months, and it was uh, it was a pretty sorry state of affairs walking around this shack he was living in in North Carolina, which was clearly pretty freaking cold because it was North Carolina in like February.
3: Welcome to the Moss. where I spend my time. It's where I spend my time growing up and drinking beer. <laughs> That ain't, that ain't true, that ain't true. Um, I'll give you a brief tour of the place. It's not really that, you know, people think it's a big deal, but it ain't a big deal. It's just home, tell you personally. He
1: was very proud of a couple of things. His Rock of Ages wall, which I detailed.
3: Here is my bed. I spend many a lonesome night in this bed. And overlooking the bed is the Rock of Ages. We got Elvis at 19 with a stack of That's Alright Mama records that he recorded in 1954. Um, his shirt's off, and he's looking slim. He's just looking real good. It's probably the best Elvis ever looked. That's Elvis Presley right there. And below him, we have Richie Valens. He's me and... It's our band's current favorite. He's I mean, we got a record by him, and we listen to him all the time, and he's just the greatest. And before him, Buddy Holly. And, God, Buddy Holly's just my tremendous idol. I don't know. He's just... I, I don't know him, but I love him. <laughs> and below him, Gene Vincent. And then there's never going to be a wildest rocker ever again. Then little Richard. And he ain't rockin' no more. Just like the rest of them aren't rocking no more.
0: It's
3: kind of our uh, shrine to the rockers.
0: He
1: uh, would pan to photos he had snipped out of magazines and pasted on the wall. Keep in mind, this is MTV filming this guy. But... <laughs> And at, This is uh, pre-cribs, but you know Yeah, and he was also super, super proud of his co- what he called his coffin table
3: And then the coffin table right here This baby, this is Big John We got this tonight. night we moved into the mausoleum But we went out in the woods and got it by the railroad tracks
1: It looked very dusty and they were clearly ashing onto it um, <laughs> I was like for real worried about this guy Like when they were uh, It was kind yeah. of Well the man's dragging coffins from the river To put next to his Shame house um,
2: <laughs>
1: I, I just want to know Who the delightful neighbor is Because if, if it's muddled after the monsters There's gotta be like a delightful straight laced neighbor Who is getting just oh so upset With there being monsters living next door <laughs> Yeah She's got binoculars out, she's watching them, they're performing weird monstrous acts, it's real weird for everybody. For part two? Sure. This is the all
2: rag and bone spectacular. Oh, great.